Good morning. It's good to see y'all. Uh, I, I tell you what, this morning I'm going to do everybody a, a favor. Since Matt's not here, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to break protocol this morning. I'm going to ask you to remain seated while we read our passage this morning. Y'all don't say anything, okay? You don't want to get in trouble for that, but it's pretty long. And um, I really want you to hear the scriptures today. I'm going to read it from a different translation than we normally use. Um, and I, I really, you can look at it if you want, but I, I would actually prefer if you just listen. Just listen to the stories from Mark 6 through about the middle part of Mark 8 and the story of the feeding of the multitudes. And, uh, you know, I don't want you to get too crazy with it, but if you wanted to imagine yourself there, um, picture yourself. You're a disciple on the side of that hill. It's a warm, sunny spring day. We know from Mark that even the grass is green. Jesus is teaching. You're soaking up everything because, well, he's Jesus. You're one of the disciples, and you, you know who he is. You know what he can do. You know his power. But at the same time, you're kind of like a church member. Uh, he's been preaching a really long time. It's getting late, and uh, we need to get this thing rolling here. So uh, I want you to listen as I read this morning, <clears throat> Mark chapter 6, verse 30 and following. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. So they went away in a boat by themselves to a remote place. But... Many saw them leaving and recognized them. People ran there on the land all the way from the towns and uh, villages and arrived ahead of them. So they stepped ashore, and as he stepped ashore, he saw a huge crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like a sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it was already late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is a wilderness, and it's already late. Send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. You give them something to eat, he said. When they responded, Should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And he asked, well, How many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. And then he instructed them to have them all sit on the ground in groups of fifty and hundreds. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves, and he gave them to his disciples. Excuse me. He kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all, and everyone ate and was filled. And they picked up twelve baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who ate the loaves that day were five thousand men. A little bit later on, chapter 8, In those days there was again a large crowd, and they had nothing to eat. And he summoned his disciples and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they've stayed with me these three days and have had nothing to eat. If I send them on the way home hungry, they might faint on the way. And some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered him, Well, where can we get enough bread here in this desolate place to fill these people? How many loaves do you have? He asked them. Seven, they said. 
Then he commanded them to sit down on the ground, taking the seven loaves. He gave thanks, broke the loaves, and gave, kept on giving them to his disciples to set before the people. So they served the loaves to the crowd. They also had a few small fish, and when he blessed them, he said these were to be served as well. And they ate and were filled. Then they collected seven large baskets of the leftover pieces. About 4,000 men were there. He dismissed them and immediately got into a boat with his disciples. And he went to the district of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, demanding of him a sign to test him, see if he was from heaven. But sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation demand a sign? I assure you, no sign is going to be given to this generation. And he left them and he got on the boat again and went to the other side. And they've forgotten, of all things, to take bread with them. They had only one loaf in the boat. Then he commanded them, watch out, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. The disciples looked at each other and you know, they, they, they said, <clears throat> missed my, one of my pages got turned on me there. Uh, the disciples began to question, where is the bread? I'm missing my place. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. It'd be easy if y'all were um, if y'all were reading along with me. You could tell me. <laughs> so they were discussing among themselves. They don't have any bread. Aware of this, Jesus said to them. Why are you discussing that you do not have any bread? Don't you understand or comprehend? Is your heart hardened? Do you have eyes and not see and ears and not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of pieces of bread did you collect? Twelve, they told him. Okay, and when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of pieces of bread did you collect? Seven, they said. And he said to them, Don't you understand yet? Let's pray together. Father, we pray today that we would indeed understand. Hopefully today, we would get what the disciples were missing. We would see that missing piece of the puzzle today. Lord, and I pray that the gospel becomes clear to all who are here today and crystallizes in those who are already believers. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I know it looks bad for the disciples, but you know, don't be too harsh on them because they were just experiencing something that you and I have all experienced. See, they had a case of spiritual amnesia. And it's, it's a hard bug to get over. As a matter of fact, it's been going around for a while, a few thousand years now, and we still haven't gotten rid of it. So what are the causes of spiritual amnesia? Well, we're going to examine our text today for just a few clues. And like any good physician, we're going to ask some questions. Well, really, we're going we're to look at the questions that Jesus asked. And we're going to take three of the big questions 
in this passage to kind of figure out where we are. And, and the first one is, how many loaves do you have? Here we'll see one of the leading causes of spiritual amnesia. That is, a small view of God, which leads to a small faith. And second, <clears throat> do you not remember? Here we have the diagnosis, which is literally just forgetting God's past provision. And third, don't you understand yet? Finally, we come to the cure. The answer to that question is the cure, which is the gospel. So diving right in, the cause. How many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? The cause of a small view of God is the cause is a small view of God that leads to a small faith. And Jesus asked this identical question on both occasions. It's one of the reasons I wanted you to listen to the stories. You can see how similar they are. Um, <clears throat> and it's a fascinating question on a lot of levels. Probably the biggest is this. Jesus doesn't need bread to make bread, right? He doesn't need bread to make bread. You know, Satan implied early on, and rightly, by the way, that Jesus could make bread out of stone. He could make bread out of nothing if he wanted to, right? So he asks them for bread, not because he needs bread, but I think because he enjoys using what we have to accomplish his goals. Using what they already had on hand, he accomplished his will. And even his miraculous plans are often accomplished with something we already have. One of his very, the very first miracle, turning water into wine. He didn't start out just with wine. Uh, healing blindness with saliva and, and dirt. One of my favorites, the casting of the net on the other side of the boat. I love that one because I could just see those fishermen out there. This dude's a carpenter. What does he know about fishing? And it would have been easy for Jesus just to say, poof, okay, there's a bunch of fish on your boat. See, I can do wonders. But he doesn't do that. He takes what they already have. He takes the net and he says, take the net, put it on the other side. And they drag in a miraculous catch. I love this because it points out the fact that God loves to use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And he loves using the insufficient to provide an abundance. He loves using the broken to make people whole. And if you look around and you see in your life nothing special, no money, resources, talents, there's nothing really special about me that I think can really make an impact for the kingdom, guess what? You are perfect for Jesus to use. You're just what he's looking for. He loves to use something ordinary to do amazing things. But let's examine the disciples' actions for a moment and see if it doesn't look a little bit familiar. Just jumping right into it, let's just call it like it is. They were walking by sight and not by faith. <clears throat> Walking by sight and not by faith. Because it never entered their mind that Jesus could do something other than what they could do. Right? It just never entered their mind that Jesus could do something different, better, above what they could do in their own strength. People buy food, so if Jesus wants to feed them, maybe he can buy them some food. 
Or, excuse me, people can also send people away to buy food. And if Jesus wants them to have food, he can send them away to buy food. These are the things that people do. So Jesus could do that if he wants to. These are the only options I give to the Son of God here. Something that I can do. See, a small view of God, it, it narrows the focus of your faith. It takes all of this out here, all of this that we should be believing, all of this faith in a small view of God, and it takes it and it, and it narrows it down until we have tunnel vision, and the only thing that we can see that God can do is what you can already do. The only options for God are the things that are familiar. But you know, lack of faith isn't always just straight-out doubt. It isn't just looking at something and saying, God can't do that. The disciples didn't do this. It's not as if they sat down and considered, well, I know Jesus could do miracles and he could feed like maybe two and a half thousand, but this is too many for him to feed. They didn't do that. <clears throat> they just presumed. They presumed that God wasn't going to do it. They, they presumed. Presumption is simply an educated assumption. It's an assumption based on past evidence. Because nobody they'd ever seen could do this. They'd never done it. They presumed that it couldn't be done. They limited God by what they had seen. They limited God based on their abilities, their resources, and presumed the only solutions were man-made solutions. They limited God to human capabilities. And don't we do that so often? I would say that's our MO. <laughs> that's how we operate. We limit God to human capabilities. You know, it's, it's amazing that God can give sight to the blind and make the lame walk and raise the dead. But what's really interesting to me is that He feeds the hungry. I think that's interesting because it's not earth-shattering. It's not life or death. It, it, it's not throwing a mountain into the sea here. These people aren't dying. They're not crippled. Uh, they're not in, in the throes of a tragedy. They're just hungry. And yeah, Jesus says they, so they've been without food for a while and they might get tired enough on the way home that they, they faint. He didn't say the word blood sugar, but you know, we know that's probably what's going to happen. They get tired. They need something to eat. But they're not going to die. They're not going to starve to death. If they were, Jesus would have said they might die on the way home. But he didn't say that. I'm pointing out, the fact, pointing out this fact so that we understand we don't just apply these principles of faith to the big, hairy, awesome, terrible, horrible, tragic events in life. When your house burns down or you lose a loved one, the big issues, these issues of faith apply when your car breaks down. You know, believe it or not, Jesus cares if your travel plans fall through. He really does. He cares if there's a family argument that's keeping you up at night. He cares if there's an illness in your family. When your Heavenly Father has compassion on you and life isn't going well. When you're suffering tragically, yes, but also when you're going through difficulty. 
Now, don't hear me saying that God won't let you go through difficulty because we know better. You do oftentimes go through difficulty and suffering. We don't know the how or the why, but we know that God is with us. And more than that, I take comfort in the fact that knowing that God has compassion towards me. You know, there's an old southern gospel song that says, The God on the mountain is still God in the valley. But let me tell you, He's also the God in between, right? Because where do we live? Not many of us stay on the mountain or stay in the valley. We live in the in-betweens. And don't forget, God is in between. Every day, I'm having a bad day. Like I said, your car breaks down. These are the times when we put our faith into practice. So spiritual amnesia is a small view of God. It's caused by a small view of God and limiting God to human capabilities. The diagnosis can be found in the answer to this question. And do you not remember? You see, there was a pattern of forgetting the goodness and provision of God. Spiritual amnesia is this pattern that we go through They've seen this exact same scene play out before. In the second feeding of the 5,000, you can see even Mark saying, and again, there was a large crowd that was hungry, they needed to be fed, and they didn't have any food. Again. And so you expect the disciples to go, oh yeah, I've seen this before. We just got to give Jesus a couple pieces of bread and we're good. No, they panic. How are we going to do this? There's thousands of people. We only have a few pieces of bread. It can't be done. How could they miss it? How could they possibly come to this situation again and say, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do. They've totally forgotten the past provision of God. They have spiritual amnesia. We might be thinking, how could they forget? I mean, if I had seen Jesus multiply that bread, if I had seen Jesus feed the 5,000, if I had seen him feed the 4,000, I would not forget his provision. How could they do that? Are you sure? You sure you wouldn't forget? You sure you wouldn't let a little bit of worry creep in? Sometimes a situation you've maybe been in before, but you're still, yeah, we're anxious. We wonder how it's going to happen. Is it going to work out? Is God going to provide? The truth is we have been in the same spot. and We all, at some point, have this case of spiritual Amnesia. We all revert back to our small view of God. Listen, I've been in the same situation time and time again. And no matter how many times God provides, sadly, I still jump back to this. I still narrow down my focus on what I can see, what I can do in my power. And if you're anything like me today, you're, you're facing problems now that you've faced before. Either they're the same problems that you've been facing for years or they're old problems that have come back to revisit you. Anybody going through some old problems today? 
dealing with the old problems? Anybody worried about the same things you've been worried about before? You see, rarely is there something new that comes up, something brand new that you've never seen before. Oh, now it's different. I need money for something else, but it's still financial needs. <clears throat> now it's a different family member that I have an issue with, but it's still relationships. Uh, my health is bothering me in a different way, but it, it's still health problems, and I'm there with you. I struggle with the same things. I wish that I didn't. We come to each struggle, and it's like we've never seen it before. Oh God, what, how am I going to get out of this one? As if He's not done it time and time again and provided for you over and over and over. Now, does the Lord always answer your prayers exactly how you want? No, of course not. Absolutely not. Uh, that would be a genie, right? That's not what God is. We don't, you don't take an old copy of the King James Bible and just rub it and get a few wishes out of it, right? No, God is not a genie. He gives you what you need, not necessarily what we're, what we're clamoring for, what we crave. But He does promise to give us what we need, and better yet, maybe, He promises to walk with you when he chooses not to provide for you in the way that you want. Now, I'm not going to say that God doesn't provide, but sometimes he provides in a way that you didn't expect, even a way that you really didn't want. A way that you didn't choose and you wouldn't choose. Maybe you wouldn't even choose it again. But this is how God's provided for you. He is with you. He has compassion on you. We all suffer from spiritual amnesia. I can hear you out there even now, though, saying, well, I got you, preacher. I, I'm going through something right now that I've never been through in my life. God has never provided for me in this way. God has never come through in this situation in my life before. So this totally doesn't work for me. <clears throat> and I would say to you, friend, there's a couple places that you can look. Look to the lives of others. The testimony of the other fellow believers in Jesus Christ, I guarantee that someone in your life has gone through it. Maybe you don't even know about that, but they have. But better yet, look to the Scriptures. I know that you'll see there the Lord has provided. In every category that you can come up with, in suffering, and in physical pain, and in relationships that have been broken, and in financial ruin, it's all there. The Lord has provided over and over. And I think beautifully, He doesn't always, you know, poof and make it disappear. But He does comfort His people. He is with His people. He has been faithful in the past. He will be faithful in the future. The diagnosis is simple, forgetting God's provision. And the cure is just around the corner. The cure... Jesus asked his disciples, and don't you understand yet? You see, we must understand the gospel. I know that sounds so simple, so elementary. <clears throat> and maybe it is, but it's the truth. We must hold fast to it. Remember the gospel. You see, these people were hungry, and they wanted food to fill their bellies. But what they really needed was the bread of life. Jesus 
exasperated, he turns to his disciples and says, don't y'all understand? Understand what, Jesus? I mean, that you can work wonders? Yeah, I mean, we're sorry. We forgot about that part, but yeah, we got it. No, not just that I can work wonders, but that I am. Um, You're what? I am that I am. I'm the door, the way, the truth, the life. I'm, I'm everything. Peter, you, you think you need food? Well, I'm the bread of life. Andrew, you want shelter? Well, I'm the rock and your refuge. James and John, I know you miss your father. I and the father are one. Thomas, you're concerned about your health? Well, I clothed you with skin and flesh and knit you together in your mother's womb. I know everything about your body. Judas, you're worried about money, I believe. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. See, trusting in Jesus means more than believing that he paid for our sin. It means much more than that. Now, oftentimes we take the gospel and we corner it off into that part of our life. And we think it's over and done with. I've repented, I believed, I confessed. And I'm done with the gospel, and now I'm moving on with life. But my friends, the gospel is the very thing the disciples did not understand. Don't you understand yet? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know you can trust me no matter what? Don't you know there is not anything that I cannot do? They looked at themselves and trusted in their own power. And and here's something kind of scary. They actually believed in God, but they limited Him. They believed in God. They believed in Jesus, but they limited Him. Sure, Jesus can provide food for 5,000 people. Yeah, He can do that. He's got 200 denarii. No problem. And their spiritual amnesia kept them from remembering what God had already done. The cure is to hold fast to the gospel. Always and in all situations. We can and we should trust Jesus with everything in our entire lives. When you run into difficulties, look to Jesus. Don't just see the blood. Do see that. We love and we cherish it. But Jesus is so much more than just a sacrifice. He is the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah. He can heal any wound, provide for any need, bridge any gap, forgive any sin, comfort any sorrow, assuage any pain. Remember the gospel this morning. Maybe you're listening to me this morning and something strange is happening to you. Maybe you feel like this tug in your heart, like, I think I, need to, I think I need to do something here. I think I need to give up myself and trust in Jesus. And if you're listening to me, you're probably a churchgoer or a tender. If not, praise the Lord, but it's likely. <clears throat> and if that's the case, you're probably embarrassed. I've been doing this too long, God. I've been pretending too long. What will they think of me? You couldn't possibly love me after I've lived a lie 
front of your people in your home. Well, my friend, listen. The best news you can hear, it's not about you. It's about Him. It's not about what you have done, but it's about what He has done. You want to know something amazing? That, that line of the tribe of Judah, that's from Revelation 5, 5. And the elders pointed John to that, and they said, Look, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah. And when John turned and he put his eyes where they showed him, there was a lamb standing as if slain. They said Jesus wasn't just a sacrifice. That's true. He is the sacrifice. The one and the only, the once and for all. He did pay for your sins by dying in your place. He did secure eternal life for you by rising from the grave. And He is coming back for you one day if you trust Him. So will you trust Him today? Trust Him with your sin and your shame. Believer, trust Him with your life. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And during that hymn, I'm going to ask you to respond. Maybe you'll do it right there in your pew. Maybe you'd like to come forward and speak with me about what it means to trust in Jesus. I'd love to talk with you. But what I encourage you not to do is to walk down those front steps and go to lunch and try to tell yourself that it was just emotional and you're fine and you don't need to deal with it. I encourage you. Do business with God today. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful that Jesus died for our sins, but we are equally as grateful that He provides for us abundant life so that we can live in peace, where we can live with assurance. I pray if there's someone here today who is struggling, that you would allow them to see, Lord, strip away the emotional amnesia from their eyes, Lord. I pray that you would help them remember the gospel. Remind them of who you are. Lord, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.